Take it with the program. Yeah, I'm Chase Ingram. I'm Captain America. And along with me is Bill Grumler. Wolverine. And Brian, I don't have your hot button, but I saw Talking Elite Fitness stole my fucking idea, so we'll just keep that going. <laughs> oh, dang it. Uh, wow, to be fair, Sean added like singing to it, so it's it's different, but you know, we you know, we we had the first uh, you got we a were friend the first. In yeah. We were the first. Hey buddy. Dude, that guitar sounded good. Yeah, we brought way it to, back. Way to, way to bring that back. We brought in. it that back. Was, it just it weird. felt weird not having it. It felt weird not having it. I'm rocking the uh, the original Be Friendly shirt. Doesn't say fitness on, on underneath yet, but uh, <laughs> no, I didn't even know you had that one. Oh yeah, I got uh, we got it. Uh, you gave it to me at uh, Rogue Invitational last year. I think after oh. breakfast tacos, you're like, hey, here, have this. <laughs> I was like, yes, oh, yeah, that's, I do remember that now. <laughs> yeah, good times, gentlemen. It has been a whirlwind of a couple weeks. My goodness. But we are here to analyze the programming, finally, of the 2023 CrossFit Games semifinals. Uh, I've been talking with Bill to get this done. We, like, we try to go through the tests, events. We'll call them events on this show. We're going to call them a fucking event, We'll call them dude. events on this show. They're we're events. Calling it, we're calling them events. And you know, like how to approach it and new details and trying not to analyze, even though that's all we wanted to gear towards. And we were getting pumped about this. <laughs> and then I was talking to Brian this morning and we we're like, hey. I want to do a little, uh, well, I was about to say menage a trois, but that's kind of weird. That's a weird that phrase. Weird. But uh, weird. what's like a menage a quad? What is that? Because it's, it's us in the, in the events. So it's four. <laughs> well, there are, yeah, but there's not four events, though. Yeah. Oh. You can just call it a gangbang. You just get over with. Mm. Just, just, uh, <laughs> Train. <laughs> right. Coming at it from every angle. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Perfect. Who is this? I don't care. We're having a good time. But uh, we're going to go through the events. We're going to call them events here because that's what they are and that's what they have always been. And that's hopefully what they will be in the future. We'll go through the details, what we thought of the programming, the, in, well, the ins and outs there. And uh, other than, before we get into that, Brian, how are your travels on the way back? Because I don't know, I, I saw people's getting. I know mine was interesting. How how are yours? Couldn't be smoother, honestly. Really? Wow. It was one of the like I, I anytime I'm traveling, especially internationally, especially with layovers in foreign airports, I'm prepared for everything and anything, and I have no expectations. It was as smooth as it could be. Wow, that was not my experience. <laughs> it was uh, uh, the morning I was supposed to leave. I get a message. It's like, hey, your connection, your connection from Zurich to Chicago, which is an eight and a half hour flight, is four hours delayed. And I was like, well, that's going to make me miss my flight from Chicago to Dallas. And so I spent three hours on Saturday to try to figure out how to get home. And then I couldn't get basically booked until Sunday at like 11 o'clock. And then it went like totally change the flight. Like it went Berlin to Washington and then Washington to Dallas. Fortunately, it was only two flights versus the three it took to get out there. But it, uh, it pushed back my arrival time at home about a day of which I had to do some um, fancy maneuvering to appease <laughs> my poor wife <laughs> who's been stuck <laughs> with my kids. Um, but, you know, it all got done and it was a little bit of hectic. The only problem was we arrived in Washington and the customs line to get back to the connecting gates 
was so long in back. It was a, it was, it was a wild story and I got flashbacks to Amsterdam. Yes. Yes. Now, fortunately it didn't take as long as Amsterdam did. It took about as long as Amsterdam did with me also cutting 80% of the line in Amsterdam, which I, I, (laughs) I had to do. But the problem was it was, Outside of the customs lines, it was in the hallway where people walk downstairs or take the escalators down to kind of a lobby area where the bathrooms are. It was a mob C backed up to that, thousands of people. But the escalators weren't stopping. So people who had no idea what was happening at the bottom would get on the escalators. And then as they get halfway down, they realize there's nowhere to go. So the escalators just started like bringing people down and slamming them into other people. And right before we were about to get in like a mass stampede panic because you heard some people starting to like scream, they shut the escalators down and then everybody stopped. And then it was like, you know, two hours to get to the line. Fortunately, my connection was like four hours. So, but it was, yeah, it was wild. And yes, Jules, I'll be doing global entry immediately. Do you have that, Brian? Yeah, yeah. But that's that's when I arrive in the states, and it is so easy. Like absolutely, yeah. Global entry in the states is ridiculous. But in in I had a layover in Madrid, and we had to go take a, a long train from one terminal to the other, and then you. You're, oh yeah, you know, didn't you have like a forty minute like? <laughs> yeah, but we had. I was I was actually traveling with Bennett Looper from uh, CrossFit Mayhem's media team. He oh, okay. just happened to be on the same flights as me to Madrid, and then back to Chicago. He had to take one more down uh, to Tennessee, but. Um, yeah, we you know we took this train and then we had to go through the customs line. I mean, there's no mm-hmm. way around it, and it's like European passports this way, everyone else that way, and that's including the U.S. And so, but it was fairly smooth process. We made it with with time to spare. So nice, nice. Well, it's good to be home, uh, Brian. You traveled all three weekends, Orlando, Pasadena, and Berlin. What was that like? Uh, the only thing I can really say is that I just love this stuff. Like I would, I could do three more mm. this week. I, I'd, I'd be ready to go today if I needed to. I feel like we're all in that boat. Like I have to, I hope my wife doesn't listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> I have to print. I'm like, Oh no, I have to go to Berlin last minute. Damn it. <laughs> but really in my head, I'm like, yes. Well, so you guys did do, well, I mean, you didn't do all three, Chase, you did the, the first and the last, but yeah. Brian, you did all three of them. Um, it was interesting sitting back and watching the whole thing. And I, I kind of threw this in the chat before we even got started, before we get, get down into like the nuts and bolts of the program and all that kind of stuff. Give me a one word definition of the semifinals. Mm. One word. Like what, what, what would it be? What would it be? I would say uh, revitalizing. Hmm. Okay, that's a Why? good word. <clears throat> I th- I think that in just in a big picture uh, spectrum that the community like responded this year. Ah, so okay, that, that's t- that's really tough to, to compare it down to one word. Oh, one hundred percent. No, totally. But that's well because what I was looking for was. Like in, I mean, it's going to be, we, we can nitpick all kinds of things that's gone down the last three weekends. But um, I think if, you know, getting an overarching feeling, uh, it was at least kind of important because we've, we've been waiting, been waiting for something like this, you know, we've been waiting for it for a while. Chase, what about yours? What's yours? Revitalizing is a good one because 
it did feel like we got some of those regional vibes back. Okay. Um, I would say, instead of taking Brian's word, <laughs> Hiller, I would say <laughs> encouraging. I'd say revitalizing is a terrible. <laughs> <laughs> encouraging. Uh, and, and part of the same aspect is like, regardless of, you know, and we're going to talk about things that, look, if I say a positive word, it's like I'm saying majority there. But I mean, everything was not perfect. It wasn't all sunshine and rainbows. There was a lot of um, pulling teeth. There was a lot of things that could have gone better. But being there in person, seeing the crowds showing up that were not there last year and seeing the crowds that were not present during sanctionals at all and seeing the programming from week to week to week and what we used to see at regionals, it was encouraging to say that I believe we're moving in the right direction. I'm not saying we're there, but it was encouraging that we are on the right path. There's still a lot, I think, that can, uh, a lot in little aspects. You know, Brian, I don't know if you feel like that, but there's like, there's just like little things that I think will be looked at once they get some of the big things kind of in place, if that makes sense. But those little things have like really big impacts at times. Absolutely. It wasn't not perfect by, you know, by any stretch of the imagination. There's definitely things that we can reflect on and and improve. But I think overall, considering that, you know, CrossFit, the decisions that CrossFit made about this part of the season from last year to this year and the way that the overall feel, I mean, I I was at three semifinals last year as well one in Europe and two in North America. So I had a very similar experience on three consecutive weeks. And I felt like overall, this was a, a, a positive, much more than a negative uh, in terms of advancing forward. So, Yeah, I, I think uh, when I was thinking about that, um, there, there were a lot of things that got effed up. There were a lot of things that like were stumbles and a lot of things that were these trip ups. And it's like, oh God, here we go again. But what I did like to see, and I and I got the same thing from an outside perspective, was I my word would be regionals because it felt like that again. I was seeing. Did it feel like see, that from the broadcast? See, yeah, and I, I think okay. I, I and and I will tell you this, and this is something that I think CrossFit really has to understand, is that what started that was you and Adrian on on your podcast stream that started that. Oh, really? Where? Yeah, because it was. Because it was raw, mm. it wasn't. It wasn't this. You know, the polished. Uh, not that you guys didn't do a great job, but it wasn't the polished. Oh, it was not polished. <laughs> set up at all, you know. And then we had like you know, like Brian's running around and he's getting camera shots, and Mike Halpin's running around doing stuff, and you had all these things that are just trying to make it work. And I, I got very old school CrossFit vibes with that. And then when you're looking off into the crowd, you can see these. You know, everyone's you know, family and team and you see these massive peoples with the big heads and the, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You could see that, which we did not see the last couple of years yes. at all. And so it was really, really good to see that and get that vibe. I mean, I, I did a lot of the, uh, uh, the seven podcast stuff during the second week with him. So I watched all the regionals and then or all the regionals, all the semis Dude, and it was involved in all of that. We talked a lot and it was, I had so much fun that weekend. Cause I, I, I knew I was going to be involved with the, you know, the podcast. And so I'm on the thread a lot and there's a lot of talking back and forth and it was really, really fun mm-hmm. with just all the stuff that was happening. So it was fun to have that 
yeah. that that kind of old school flair about it for sure. Well, that's awesome that you guys can, you could yeah. see that from there. Uh, I love this question, Stephen Flores. Has HQ ever ran an event that went one hundred percent smooth? No, <laughs> but I, I don't mean that as a negative. Like people tend to glorify the past. It's why people like Nirvana, right? They're eh, eh, they're all right, right? But <laughs> never once was there an event that went great, like a hundred percent smooth. That has never happened. And so I think to judge some of these things as if that's what we used to do, I think is credibly is incredibly unfair. I don't know how you guys feel about it. Now, does that mean we should just be okay with it not being perfect? No, we should always strive for perfect. We should always strive for a hundred percent great. But like name one, one competition that went a hundred percent smooth. You walked away. I was like, that was perfect. That was a perfect event. Well, yeah, but there's going to be some different our point of views would be a lot different. We get to hear a lot of stuff behind the scenes that a lot of people that are watching True. don't get to see. But so that's just, also what I mean, too. Well, there may be discussions. We've been in discussions where it's like, okay, how far are they going to have to push this sled? Well, maybe we should change it now. And then they don't change it or they decide to change it right before they go. The, the crowd doesn't necessarily know that, but we would know that because we're going to be talking about it. So there are a lot of things that I think, you know, not everybody knows. Um, mm-hmm. So I... But I just mean that as like, Let's take a, a bit more of a, a positive approach here when asking I, that question. But I think it was a great I think, question. Well, I think everyone, I think everyone, no matter all of the things that happened, and there were a lot of things that happened. Um, I still think that everyone was really fired up about being there for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's <right. Yeah>, great. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, it, yeah. it ran better than any of the ones before that, for sure. Right? <laughs> yeah, the best one since anyone before that. But um, yeah, and, and it'll never be 100% smooth. But uh, like I said, as I think, uh, you know, I thought it, revitalizing it is a great word. Encouraging for, for myself is like we're going the right way. And even Hiller just commented, it's like, you know what? I can't think of a better word than revitalizing right now. Um, the one thing I, I don't think anybody should walk away with if they have a, a clear objective point of view without just wanting to burn the world down is like nothing should be terribly negative in, in my opinion. But like that's, that's also someone else's opinion to judge on their own. But um, all right, let's get into the details here. Okay. So let's go event by event. We'll start with event number one and we've got uh, this little running deal here as you guys are, are watching with us and it has the, the events, the, the, different modalities they were in and different movement patterns that we had. Um, with that, if you guys can't see that too bad, um, I'm only so good at Excel and, uh, working through these things. But, uh, first one, 3000 meter echo bike, 84 foot sled pole, 2000 meter air runner, 84 foot sled pole, thousand meter ski, 92 foot sled pole, just because the last part was longer at the end, 180 pounds on the sled, 225 pounds, um, for the men, 180 for the women. When you look at this event from the, the get-go, like, I really, really like this event. Like, if I just look at it on paper and I looked at how challenging it was for different athletes, the fact that the sled had a, was the event. Right? Everyone had a baseline of fitness on the machines for the majority, about the same, but it's how people navigated the sled. And I think the question coming in was, is this sled going to matter or is it going to be a machine race? And I think the sled mattered so much that it completely changed the type of event this was going to be, even more so than I thought what, I don't want to put words in, in Boss's mouth or, or, or head, but maybe more than he thought it was going to be, especially after the first weekend. 
don't know how you guys felt. Can no, I just I, pause, just pause for a second? Go. <clears throat> the, on this screen here, Chase, where it says testing elements. Yes. Does that the description for a different test? Yeah, it is on the first one. Okay. okay. <laughs> I was just, just making sure that I'm like, yeah, I'm not I didn't finish that one. <laughs> okay. Let's get rid of that. <laughs> Sorry, Bill. Go ahead. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, I love, I love the event. I, I think on paper, it did a lot of really cool things. I don't think people were expecting to have the sled be um, as much of a, a, a problem as it was. The downside I have on this is when you have, and it is going to come up a lot and I don't know how we want to, I don't know how we want to analyze it. If, we, if we're going to analyze just on paper, what the analyzing is or how it's put to use. But I don't like, I don't like, I like the sled being in there. I don't like the fact that the issues with the sled became an issue. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that the sled is in there. If I they think... wanted to, you know, because it did make, because it made, and the second I saw the sled, yeah. I saw a picture of the sled, I was like, oh shit, here we go. I knew that it was going to be an issue. And I didn't even realize how much of an issue it was until you started talking to some of the different athletes. And they're like, mm-hmm. first pull, the thing flipped underneath. Right. And then I tried to adjust it. And then it pulled again. Then I just figured I had to do it. So I, I don't like that that happened. I like on paper what it says. Um, I really like what it says. But that... Uh, <laughs> so uh, that's a fair question. And I think one thing to... Because I don't want to focus in this part so much on the little things that were outside the programming until like the end. So for example, it's like... No, no, I hear you. You, I hear you, know, you know what I mean? Because like we can I, do that with bags. We can do that with runners, apparently. We can do that with a, a couple <laughs> different things. But programming-wise... We'll go there. And at the end, we can wrap up as like, hey, here are issues that we have found. Totally. That's with, why I said I really the like the execution of it. I do really like the event. Me too. Brian, what about you? I mean, I think that to, just to summarize what Bill said, on paper, excellent. In application, it fell short. Yeah. What's that? I mean, God, I'm so bummed about that. Anyway. <clears throat> um, all right. Uh, when you look at that, is you've got the monostructural elements mixed in with the odd object. I really like the balance of like aerobic and anaerobic. I thought that was really cool and having to like switch systems mid workout was pretty cool. Uh, just because that sled for, for most semifinals uh, was a big part of that. So um, let's go to event number two. I know I wrote test on here, but you know. uh, three rounds, three minutes on. Yeah, it is an old sheet. Three you, minutes you on. You were trying to. <laughs> one minute off. Five ring complexes, which is a toe to ring, muscle up, and ring dip, 20 pistols, five on each leg, and then max burpee box up overs in the time remaining. The men were a 20-pound ruck. Women were a 10-pound ruck. Men jumped on a 30-inch box, and women jumped on a 24-inch box. When I look at this by itself, I think the big thing that jumped off the page to me was the ruck. Is the ruck in here to be a hindrance? Is the ruck in here to like make it a better overall test? Right, I can say it's a better overall test, not better overall event, because what are we testing? And in my head, when I'm looking, especially when I span three events, right, we've got this like monostructural element, and then this odd object thrown in there. We have gymnastics element with an odd object thrown in there, which is the ruck, and then we have the weightlifting te- event and an odd object thrown in there with dumbbell bench versus that. 
when I when I look at those, I feel like the ruck really changed the event towards a certain demographic of athletes. Like when I look at event one, I see big, strong athletes that have good engines. That's it. Those are the most. And I think Brian didn't help him do a review of like the top 10. And this was at least North America East, the top 10 versus the bottom 10 in that event was like a difference of 20 to 30 pounds Pounds. of body weight. Mm -hmm. And so I see the same thing with the rock limiting those that didn't get theirs in event one. And at the same time, I don't like the discrepancy between, and this could be because they're keeping five complexes, but a 20 pound rock and a 10 pound rock are not the same test for these individuals. Like 50% of the weight is not it. Like it makes it, drastically easier for the women, but they're also doing five of the gymnastics complexes or however you want to call them as a thing. What I would have liked to seen is make the complex a complex, right? If you're going to call it a complex, a complex is unbroken. Barbell complexes are unbroken, things like that. The pistols themselves saying those are unbroken. That was not an element of the test itself. Those were, I don't, I don't really know what you would call that. Um, and if I wanted to see a, a body weight race, I, I really personally, I think the ruck was unnecessary. That's how I feel about this one. Go Brian. And the, and the last piece is that the, the scoring for this was unnecessarily. Ooh, weird. yes. That's a great one. I like, call, uh, you know, the, it's, it's, I don't think it's a good feel or look for anyone. If you're just scrolling through the, the different regions that took this, uh, that did this test or event. And you see a bunch of zeros on the board. Mm-hmm. And in, in some cases, there are a lot of zeros on the board. And we understand there is a tiebreaker that's built into it, but you didn't need to have that. You could have just done it exactly as it was written, which is for total reps. And you count the complex as a rep because it is one. You got the single leg squat as a rep because it is one in the burpee box jump overs. And guess what? At the end of the day, the person who did the most burpee box jump overs is still winning. Mm-hmm. And then you don't have to have weird, <laughs> not uninformed uh nuances to a tiebreak system it's just like if you didn't get any and neither did the person next to you then who got the furthest otherwise right and i think that all of those the things that you listed plus that really ended up being a distraction from what could have been mm-hmm. a fun and valid test yeah and that's a good, great point about the scoring that, that's a huge part you're right because who wants to see zeros when you don't need to have zeros <laughs> if you're doing work there should be reps on the counter for sure um I, I agree with you, Chase. I don't I don't think that the uh the ruck was needed. I like when you have the first event, which is a long kind of power output event, a lot of time put on there, whereas this one should be set up to be an all out sprint. And the right. ruck, I think, stops that all out sprint to where people are really racing. They're they're trying to manage that ruck just because it's weird everyone's used to doing it with the vest they've all done you know muscle ups with vests on or Mm -hmm. doing workout work with vests on so it's a little bit more normal but i would i could see the ruck being used at like the games because that's when they do things that are way outside of the normal Mm -hmm. they would do more of the outside outside of your normal kind of training setup but what i wanted what i wanted to see here was i wanted to see people race not to see people break up a complex for yeah because they're trying to manage the grip all of these athletes can do muscle-ups. All of them can do dips out of the rings. All of them can do this number. So why slow them down with that ruck on? Like, let's mm-hmm. see them go. Right. 
You know, I want to I want to see uh, Marissa Flowers. I mean, she was flying. I know. I mean, I she want... still did well. Like gymnasts I mean, still did well if they could handle the complex. But totally. Imagine but I how see them. right how bad they were in event one is how right. good they should have had an opportunity to be in event two. And totally. some didn't get that opportunity because of the rock. Right. And so I, I think on paper, like this, it, it's one of those ones that it seemed uh, like confusingly programmed. Like it's almost, I wasn't really sure what they were trying to get. Like, you, you know, yeah. but it's like, what are you really trying to get here? I think it would have been absolutely a beautiful workout to have the complex have to be done unbroken mm-hmm. to have um, everything else set up exactly the same. You take the ruck off Except the and, you, and, and you score it as one rep per complex, one rep per your, you know, for your jumps and one rep for or your uh, pistol and your burpees. Yes. And you let them go. Let them go. I'll add one more thing. Sorry, Brian. You got, we, you know, we talked about ruck. We talked about scoring. I'm going to talk about AMRAPs in competition. AMRAPs in competition like this, there's a reason why we've done very few of them ever. I think maybe one time at the games, and I think this might be the first time at semifinals or even regionals. And the reason is, is that the the simple fact is that to win this event, you have to do more work than everybody else. To beat everybody, you have to penalize yourself physically to do better than people. And how do we get around that before everybody panics? You set a number to get to, just like we had the 2223 complex, 75. You take the ruck off, you make the complex unbroken, you make the pistols legitimately unbroken, and it's just burpee box jump overs at the higher box, and you've got three chances to get to 75, or make it four chances, whatever you want to do. Or or just picking up, pick 60, right? 60 was the number we barely got to, which means that's the number everybody can get to without a ruck. Pick 60, do it for time. That that way, everyone has to do that number. And if you get done early, you get the benefit of that. So doing AMRAPs in competition, I I think is, uh, in live, like in the open, I get it. Like it doesn't matter. It's one test a week. It doesn't matter. Right, but in live competition like this, I think it's a detriment to the to the field. And I think there was another opportunity here. You know, muscle ups and and pistols in particular are two movements that have been under scrutiny for movement quality over the past couple seasons. Mm-hmm. And if you put them, if you remove the, you know, they and they were being uh, watched very closely, especially the press out on the muscle ups. And I know that some athletes felt that there were some inconsistencies or they were being unfairly judged in that regard or whatever. If you take the ruck away and you make it that race, you're really putting a premium on execution. Because if you get that no rep and you have to do another complex up there, it's not that it's so demanding anymore as as the ruck might have been, but it's that you're losing that time. Right. And so then you really also, in addition to obviously giving the athletes who are just have the capacity to possibly win the, the workout, you also set set a standard that it's like, make sure you get those right. Because if you take an extra little second at the top to make sure you lock out every muscle up and dip, yeah, you might be spending a total of a two or three seconds that mm-hmm. you didn't want to spend. But if you miss one and, and you have to come back down, then that's 10 extra seconds or whatever. Yeah. And you're really, you're really setting yourself up for everyone else to run away from you. And the think, ruck exacerbates that. Oh, geez. Yeah. Right. It's totally. like, if I have to spend the time to like, if a judge is holding me to a higher standard, the ruck is compounding that to a degree that is unfair. Not unfair. Uh, I want to say unfair. I hate the word fair, but is, uh, 
more challenging than say other athletes compounding compounding there you go yeah so i i uh i I do say that i'm glad that they put i mean in all reality i would rather see ring muscle ups in a live competition and pistols in a live competition rather than online competition because at least you have someone's eyes there and i this is not to say that all the judges judge perfectly i mean a a human judge is going to have human errors and that that's always going to be an issue but at least it's live and you have someone else that's not within your camp is calling out your reps. And I mean, a ring muscle up, we have issues with those regularly. A ring dip, I was like, oh man, here we go. Here we go. I mean, we used to have to put the strap across the rings uh, just to make sure that your shoulder blades hit the rings to make, make sure that you locked your arms out, remember? So between that and the pistol, like I thought that was going to be a tough one to judge. I do like what the event was. I think it was it was a it made for some fun races to watch. So it, entertainment wise, sure. it, it it looked pretty good. But I think it would have been a lot more fun to watch everybody go, like really put the pedal down, and and do work there. I think that would have mm. been. I think that would have been good. Yeah. And 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 I think Chase, even what you're with you're saying, I I hear what you're saying on that. And I think if it would have been a longer event. And someone I think actually put it in the in the comments, uh, like when they did Cindy, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Mary, you do something like that, uh, where you have twenty minutes where someone's going to do a lot more work than someone else. I mean, if you did more work here, what you did ten more burpees than somebody, mm-hmm. you know. So I don't, I don't, I think the what saved them a little bit on that was that the time frame really wasn't that long. Uh, but I hear what you're saying on that. I, yeah. I kind of agree. Yeah. Um, all right. So almost, but not quite. Uh, Linda, semifinal Linda, you've got your, uh, God damn it. I forgot to change the weights there too. Whatever. I was in a hurry. Uh, deadlift bench and squat cleans 10 down to one. Oh, before we get into this real quick, someone messaged me about this because Bill, we've had this happen before. It's like people trying to sell an argument about Elizabeth. Oh, oh yes. I'm not even going to ask the question. Just tell me the answer. Squat clean. Thank you. You're welcome. There you go, Dana. <laughs> owner, owner of the gym, whoever the owner was of your gym, tell them it's squat. Oh, did they cleans. reach out to you too? Yeah, Dana hit oh, me. Jesus, up. yeah. Squat cleans. <laughs> squat cleans. The best part is like they they brought up what I guess it was programmed on dot com or cap or something like this, and like, well, here it says either done with squat cleans or power cleans, and I was like, look at the top under the section name. It says scaling for this. <laughs> Squat cleans. All right, back to it. Speaking of squat cleans. And we're back. Okay, Linda, it's one of Boz's favorite favorite workouts of all time. He loves the 10 to 1 time frame. This is actually his first workout he ever did, before, like getting into CrossFit. So I'm not really surprised to see this out here. The dumbbells, that was the whole, that was the whole workout. Like, how, how could you handle the dumbbells? Like, everybody out there is pulling dads, no problem. Squat cleans are done in singles. Like, nobody separated themselves because they could handle the barbell better. It's who could move the dumbbells better. That was it. And it was, no, it was more, no more evident than who was winning these events. And a lot of these winners are coming out of like heat one and two. Some, some of your best were doing, were doing the best, but it was just, it was a bench press event. That was it. And, and some work capacity, but. <laughs> just some. <laughs> some, yeah. It, it was your ability to have high work capacity and bench press. The other, the other movements, that was it. That just made you tired. Yeah. I, I, I liked I it. Li- 
I like this. That event. being said, yeah, I like this. In the scheme of which the one, two, and three that we got through, fine. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I think the, the cool little twist of throwing the dumbbells in there, I, I think that that was cool. Uh, I don't know if that was trying to do the twist uh, and have just a little change in the, in the, you know, a little wrinkle in the normal Linda, or was it that they didn't want to have to deal with issues that they had when they were doing the bench press the first time they had it come out at the regionals that one year, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, with making sure it was got locked out or what would you do if you fail or how you're going to, where are they going to put the straps and all that other kind of stuff. So I, I, I thought it was, I, I, I like the event. I think it's a fun race. Um, again, I think that you have to know what you're trying. What do you, what are you really racing here? Like when they were making some of the people, I saw the thing where it was like, you know, penalize the standards on what is the squat clean? Mm-hmm. If I can pull the bar to my shoulders and I squat it up, yeah. like that's, that's like the old, um, Travis Williams snap. Oh yeah. <laughs> like no one called him that those were wrong, you know? So it's like, why are all of a sudden I, I yeah, saw, I saw movement. a lot of in, indiscrepancies with that. And like at that point, who cares? I mean, okay. Yeah. That brought up in the chat is like that happened a, maybe one or two times. No, no, no. I know. But it's, but again, it's like, again, if you're just saying like, make them deadlift, make them do their dumbbells, make them do their clean, their squat cleans. Cool. I thought it was great. I, I love this event. I thought it was awesome. I like this one. Next I like time, people, dumbbells uh, for the squat cleans also. Ooh. Let's do dumbbell do think, Linda. <clears throat> Chase, do you think it would have made any effect, positive or negative, bumping the deadlift weight up a little bit, 20 pounds or so? This seemed like an, an, an almost just irrelevant part of the workout. The deadlift for the majority of people. And right, like most of these statements we're making are based off a of majority. There's exceptions to everything that we're talking about. But yes, making the deadlifts like 315 and 225 could have had a, a greater effect on the test. Making the the cleans 155 and 105, I, I think would have been very interesting to add to it because it was so dumbbell heavy. Right. Right. Like, like we said, it's all the other, not saying like blasting through 295 deadlifts is, is nothing, but for these athletes, like all the deadlift did was just get people tired. It didn't slam the brakes on them. All the cleans did was just make sure that they could stay on the bar. No one was failing a squat clean. No one was too tired to pick it up. They just It was ma- a matter of like them wanting to or not, not the inability to do that. It, it was all in the dumbbells. And I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just saying that's what it is. I still like this test or this event. Fuck. What, what do you think? Uh, when they got the original for the regional version of it, the first one, the um, first year was, they, qual- they looked at everyone's weight. Yes. And they took an average, right? It would be really interesting to know mm, yeah. what the average of the weights were this year for everyone. Like what is, is that? Is it the same number? Do we just go with like, Oh, it's the regional style. So we're just going to put these numbers in, or do mm-hmm. we actually get the true, uh, average of everybody, which would have been interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, the weights are just whatever they choose to report on their games profile. Anyway, there's true. no, accuracy there you know at the games you should just like do a whole like combine weighing and measuring and like pull up athlete stats and finally just plug them in for ourselves because these guys just don't write shit on them (laughs) (laughs) yep weigh them get their height get their wingspan like that'd be cool 
And then you know, like you had their athlete profile, just like they're in this like 3d model and it shows like age weight and like statistics. That'd be freaking awesome. There's a, there's another, you know, element of programming that I think, uh, you know, not everyone always talks about. And obviously there are logistics of time and, and space as well, but is how digestible is the workout? How enjoyable is it to watch? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the last time we saw Linda in competition, they were running heats of 10 and the barbell for the squat cleans could move forward every round. Right. And in this with 20 athletes and only progressing it after the rounds of seven and four, mm-hmm. you know, it's very, you know, they did have the flip cards, but it still felt like it was just very difficult to actually like grasp how far ahead certain athletes were from others mm-hmm. and who was necessarily in the lead. I mean, even with three or four of us watching on site, there were times that we were not aware of the person who was in third place or second place. Or, right. Know. Yeah. They, that was a, um, a CrossFit fan would enjoy it. If I was not a CrossFit person and I was to watch it, I would, ha- I wouldn't know what was going on. Yeah. It was hard. I wouldn't have any idea. Well, I'll tell you, it was like near impossible doing like our, our podcast coverage of it. <laughs> we just had to wait till somebody moved into the next section. We're like, all right, we're back on track. Cause I don't know if it was like 10, nine, eight or seven. And then they move forward. And then I'd have to guess I'd have to watch people's numbers. And I didn't, honestly, I didn't even know where the flip cards were. Well, that's what I was, I was trying to help you guys out. But even if I'm looking down the line, like there's 20 cards to look at. And by the time I look and see someone flip over here, there might've been three people that flipped over <laughs> right. here. And I don't know which one flipped first. Yeah. And the problem was it's 20 people per heat. It was a shortened field because they're going the width of it. You know, it's just different. That being said, overall, on paper, on paper, really like the event, like the workout. I like the <laughs> I like the one, two, three that we have set up. All right, let's move to four and five. So four being a six minute cap of eight hundred meter run into a max snatch, and then test five being eight snatches at one eighty five and one twenty five into an eight hundred meter run, one for weight, one for time. The We'll go to event four first. That played out way better than I thought it was going to. In my head, I thought it would just be kind of a mess. I didn't think anybody would really hit good weight. But after it unfolded, what those athletes were able to do in a matter of two and a half to two minutes was absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. So that portion of it, I thought was really, I really liked event four. I didn't really care for it on paper going in. And then after seeing it after week to week to week, it was exciting regardless of how you feel about people running on treadmills for three and a half minutes. But the ending, the last 30 seconds of every heat at every semifinal was insane. Like I really did like event four. Go ahead, Brian. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think everything you said is accurate. The, the biggest, uh, confusion that I have when it comes to test four is why the tiebreaker didn't also come from test four because you, you know, with, when you choose to set up the floor, you're, you decided that the minimum plates available would be two and a half. Mm. And when you're asking people to do this kind of lifting in a short environment, whatever you, you know, that there are going to be ties. And so at least they had the foresight to say that there should be some tiebreaker. Right. But the fact that it came from a, a future test is something that I strongly disagree with. And I yes. think it was super easy and obvious to just have the, the run in that test be the tiebreaker. And I think I, I don't know anyone who, who has disagreed with that that I've spoken to because then you, you're forced to make a, a little bit more of a decision on that run of, 
okay, I know that I'm going to snatch 265 to 275, and there's likely going to be 20 guys that hits one of those three weights. Mm -hmm. Do I want to go for it a little bit on the run and give myself a better chance on the tie break wherever I end up landing or not? Totally agree. Yeah, the the first run, it, it was worthless. It, did, it, well, it didn't mean even, anything. It didn't even need to be there at all. Like if, if it was all about finding a one rep max, then give them the full six minutes to find their one rep max because it really didn't matter at all. If like what Brian's saying, what you're saying, Brian, if you would have had it to where that was your tie break, then at least people would push the run to get something out of that. Um, I, I, it's always fun to watch people hit big weights. It was really cool to hit, see Tudor Magna hit when he hit his three, his was three twenty five. Um, yeah, some of those big lifts were incredible, but i I don't know why. I don't know why we have to have a one rep max at every stage of the qualifying up to the games. It seems like it seems like we kind of over overplayed that, and I would have really seen something different. And we talked a little bit about this chase where it was. Mm-hmm. Not so much how much can you lift, but how many reps of something could you get. So yes. now do the flip of five instead of doing the okay, how fast can you get these and then do the run for your time? You have to do this distance and then how many of this mm. rep can you get? 225 or what even pick the yeah. 185. Pick the 185 and say okay. Or pick a number. What whatever. We are, well, yeah. Well, I didn't want to do the exact opposite of the other one. I, I know, but when I, when I talk about my uh, your AMRAP dis- stuff, disdain for the AMRAP, I have to be consistent. So I do have to change my uh, thought process there. But I'm with you. I think well, uh, either that, either that or just take it out then. Well, and, and mean, that's what we'll do because you know we're going to go. I think we're on Thursday. We're going to basically reprogram the semifinals, and that's going to be part of the things that we brought into. I would say overall, what I enjoyed, I enjoyed the event. Um, having something heavy in there again, I think is a, another chip in the concept that we're having of this is favoring a certain type of athlete. hundred percent. We didn't need to have that in there. We didn't need to have a one rep max in there. Right. Right. Um, oh, what was I going to say? So I, me personally, I didn't like the first event. I, I didn't like, I didn't like four. It's always fun to see people lift, but I don't program wise and what, what we, what it fit in. I, I, Mm-hmm. It was it was worthless. I I, and that's the thing is like I enjoyed watching it. I think when you look at on paper and how it fits with the whole programming, even if they're combined, it's yeah. It's like okay, wh- who are we like skew, like gearing this test towards? Right. And, and when Boz looks at pu- putting them together, like this is a format that he likes. He's done it twice so far. He did it at the games with shuttle sprints and shoulder overhead. Can you run fast? Can you lift heavy? Right. That's old. Like this is, this is like flow master programming. When you look at what is crossing. Did we? Right. And then you look at (laughs) the open. That's right. And then you look at the open and you have the shuttle runs and burpee box, burpee pull-ups, and then the, the thruster. And we're looking at conceptually what we do with our CrossFit training methodology. Like that's where you see this test arrive for the third time with this type of format. Oh, I was going to say something. Shoot. Make the run count then if you want him to run and lift heavy? Oh, here's, here's one. Brian's 100% the run needed to count as a tiebreaker. Yep. 
I am surprised we didn't have a time check on the run. Like you have to run faster than a 315. Shoot, use the same numbers we took from Jackie Pro. What was it? 315 and 345, I think. You have to run faster than this, and it is your tiebreaker. Now the run matters twice. My follow-up question to you guys is scoring, kind of like Brian talked about in event two. Should this been worth 100 points each in a seven-event test, test being the overall thing, or should this been 50? Because at the games, it was 100, but we had 13 or 14 events, double the opportunities for people to shine. And one was a collection of run times, not just a one-off, and a collection of reps at a certain weight. So it was 100 and 100, but it doubled the events in in the overall test. Here, seven total events, 200 points, just back-to-back like that. You guys think this should have been 50 and 50, or are you okay with the 100 and 100? I don't... I actually... Um, after seeing it play out for three weeks and looking at just kind of the the general component of fitness that was tested with each hundred point check mark that each event is individually, mm-hmm. I thought I think it was okay. One of the kind of cool things that I was able to do over the three weeks was look at different patterns that emerged. And so as an example, I, I was tracking how many athletes were able to finish in the top ten for each, for both four and five at mm-hmm. each of the semifinals. And then I wanted to see how well that correlated to those athletes qualifying for the games. And I did that with a few of the other individual tests as well. And I, you know, and I think that in the buildup, there was a lot of conversation about if they're both worth a hundred points, that so you're double weighting, snatching and running. Right. But if you, if you look at, what ended up happening, you know, 90% of the time, the best snatchers got the points in test four and the best runners got the points in test five. And Mm -hmm. there's 10% of an outlier for a few kind of random things. But overall, you know, if you, if you were looking to have a lifting test and a running test, um, and your thought was that they balance each other out, then I don't necessarily see the problem with the hundreds. Okay. Bill. Um, I think between the two tests, you're basically getting test four. If you would have made test four count, you have your running segment in, in five, you have your lifting segment in four. If you want to do, um, if you're trying to see, can you lift heavy when you run fast, then put them together, make them lift heavy and then make them run fast and then put them together as Mm a, as a you know, one either as one event or as weighted, you know, fifteen fifty. And I know Mike the the math is all weird. Like I get it. I mean it's, it's a good point. Now, which his Alpin, Alpin's question or comment is how do you split fifty points across sixty people? Right. And and that is that's an issue. I mean and and I know that. But I, I think the I'm waiting for Tyler to jump in and say something about Z score. <laughs> I can Z score the hell out of that. What are you talking about? Um you know I I, I just I don't know. I just think that those two events, I think they were both foul tips, honestly. I, I don't think mm. that they added a whole lot to 
to what we're doing. Okay. We saw we saw the the big lifters lift big, and we saw the good runners run. Specialists, like okay, cool, so, totally. Specialists. And we're not trying to find specialists right now, so that should have been blended together better. And we didn't need to have a runner again when we already had the runner in the beginning. I think this, it, yeah, I think this is a games test that made its way into semifinals. And I go back to if we had more events, fine. With only seven, two of the seven being geared towards specialists specifically. And, the, you know, the, the first run not having any impact on the specialists so they can lift their weight or any tiebreakers. Um, all right, let's shift gears to five. And for, for me, this one was... I mean, it was exciting, right? A foot race. Everybody's excited about that. Everybody's going touch to go. Like, I remember in um, JR and Taylor's uh, overview of this on their, um, what is it? Shut up and scribble. What is that? What it's called, Brian? It is. Shut up and scribble. <laughs> and I, I commented, I was like, if you want to win this, you have to do touch and go. And that became a, like a topic of conversation, which I thought was curious. And then you watch everybody do it. And you're like, yep. <laughs> There is no other option than to go touch and go. And then it was a, a runner. And then watching this over three weeks, you know, heat after heat after heat, I was like, either the, the weight was too light or it didn't need to be there at all. You could screw this one up. There I mean, were you could definitely screw it up. people yes. that, that ran the first 400 too fast and paid for it on the back, back 400. Right, but the, mean, the, the barbell didn't really screw them up. You could either... Do it unbroken. Yeah. You can like you can miss pace. Yeah, you can absolutely miss pace the eight hundred, but it wasn't as an influence. I think of what the barbell did. It was just your your decision to run too fast. Yeah, I mean that's that's us. The the ten percent that weren't just evaluating their capacity for running was the people that that couldn't move the barbell well enough. And if you couldn't do them touch and go, then you basically had no chance. Um, but you know, I I did I didn't you know. I didn't love it with the with the air runners overall. I think that it, it could have been more fun in different ways, and I do agree that this would have played better at the games. This combination of tests would have played better at the games for several reasons. Um, but it was, uh, especially as I was able, you know, I felt like I was more in tune with what was happening in week two and then even more so in week three, and I was able to watch and see specifically some athletes, you know, get get it wrong and, yeah. and, uh, and screw up the run a little bit. Um, and so I, I kind of... I, I guess as a, in an isolated thing, I kind of like that element of risk reward that was that was clearly a fa- you know a, a, a choice athletes had to make, and some people did it well, and some people did not. I think it was uh, the runner made it really hard to race because you had no idea. Other than if you got on the runner first, you had no idea who you were chasing or how fast to go. So now you were only in competition with yourself, and I think that that changes how people attack their competition. Isn't this funny is like for the first time all year, I actually would have rather had shuttle runs. <laughs> I would have rather had motherfucking <laughs> shuttle runs, which is stupid to say. Um, uh, but I think that there's a, like there's a couple things that could have been done on there. I think, and Adrian has it right here. I'll put his thing up here for 12 reps up the reps on the lift, mm-hmm. make the lift count. Like it on either one of these four and five, you have to have the other element matter. The run has to matter on the max, on the max lift. The lift has to matter on the run. And yeah. like you said, like the vast majority was able to get this touch and go. You know, he was really interesting on this one, I thought, was uh, Bethany Sh- uh, Shadburn. Because we were curious about what she was going to do with her back. And you could tell that she was 
not, I mean, she wasn't gripping, ripping, but she didn't do as bad as I thought she was going to do on that comparatively to just getting through that lift and then getting on the runner and going. And I thought that that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so either, both of those tests, I think I, you, you could have taken one piece out and I think you would have had the same setup. Yeah. Could I have think taking the first one out on four, you would have had the same lifters. You could have taken the lift out on the first part on, on event five. You basically would have had the same runner. So why had that? And yeah. if you want to run in a lift, put them together. Yeah. That's what I say. Foul tip is a good, uh, explanation. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, let's move to event number six. It is the chipper. That wasn't a that foul tip comment wasn't a reference to our original gang bacon analogy. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's uh, just the tip, Brian. That's just, just the tip. pick a hole, stay there, <laughs> rotate every two minutes. All right, <laughs> 20, 20 overhead squats at one eighty five and one twenty five five hundred meter row, three handstand walk pirouettes, two seated leg throat climbs, twenty wall facing handstand push ups. Two seated legless rope climbs, three pirouettes, 500-meter row, 20 overhead squats. I really love this chipper, except for the 500-meter row. That is all. Yes. <laughs> and that that is all. Like watching the 500-meter row, watching what the athletes did on the 500-meter row, listening to people talk about the 500-meter row, it was all, did the overhead squats unbroken, Went slow on the row. Like Noah Olson said he was holding like a 210 to 215 <laughs> <Yeah>. pace <laughs> on the first yeah. row. And by the way, he had one of the five best times in the world. Exactly. Right. The row had nothing to do with the race. Nothing. This is a high skill chipper. Overhead squats at that volume at that body weight for 20. Like 185, 125 is getting close to some people's body weights and they're doing 20, well, not 20 in a row because they could break it at 10, which I, I didn't like either. No, they, they couldn't. No. They had to. Uh, yeah, they, that, had to, they had to break I it I didn't 10. like that part. I either. didn't like that. When I saw that on the floor, I was like, oh, that sucks. Um, do, you, do you understand the, that why he chose to do that? Was it? Yeah, yes. You, you, you told me why. I said it because they were too close. They didn't want the bars. It was a safety thing, yeah? Stagger them. It was a combination of two things. Is one is that he wanted to use the full barbell, not the short bar for the overhead squat. And second is if using the full barbell, advancing past someone else's bar was problematic, and he also wanted to have the story, uh, a storytelling element of moving forward as you progress through. So then they put him on a five meter row because that was a progressive storytelling moment. <laughs> <laughs> I, I understand. I mean, I, I know why he did it. Yes. I understand the safety element of it, but I still think that uh, I, I think that 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 drop. I I would have rather see. I would have rather had the opportunity to watch the athletes with the risk and with the risk reward. I absolutely think that as well. And this, you know, the stagger in general is an interesting element here. And and so if uh, people who are saying oh, then mm, then just stagger them, yeah, and, and they were staggered in this case, even though there were two, they were still staggered. From the athlete's perspective, it was advantageous to to be in front going oh. out and in the back coming home. Oh, because yeah. then you could see your competitors in front of you. And if you were one of the people who were in front and your two closest competitors, let's say you're the leader, you know, in lane five and the guys in six and four were behind you on either side, they could see that your stability and what, you know, how that was going to go. And especially in a set of 20, they could use that to their advantage in making a decision based on how you looked, where you would be completely blind to their stability mm-hmm. or comfort level with the barbell overhead behind you. 
And I understand that no matter how you direct your people, even if you would have them sideways, you're going to be able to see some people and not see other athletes. I mean, there's this kind of, if you're a swimmer, you're going to breathe on one side, you see swimmers on one side, and you can't see them on the other side. So there's always going to be that element, and I get it. Uh, but I still think that when you're forcing everyone to have the same rest, then you decrease what your race is. You know, like if you're saying you have to put the bar down at 10, okay, well, yeah, but this is where I could make up. I could hold yeah. on for another 10. Like I could make up some distance here, especially if I know I'm going to be resting at the 500 meter row. It's a weapon. Yeah. And, and, I, and if you want to parallel it with the other set of 20 in this chipper, those that could do 20 strict wall facing handstand pushups were able to capitalize on that. Yeah. Those that could do 20 unbroken mm. overhead squats at the end had less of an opportunity to do that. Now they still could take a shorter break, 10 to 10 and squat snatch and get right into that second set. But it was certainly taken away to some degree. Uh, I agree. That's a great point. And uh, like, what if they made them do 10 handstand pushups, stop and then do another 10 It's like, now you're for, you're giving everyone. You mean like they used to do wall balls? You do 50 here oh my and, God. Then 50 right. and then you have to turn here. around. And then you have to yeah. like <laughs> jump and, and you know, if, if you could do that. Yes. And, that is an element that changes the programming yep. when you, when you infuse breaks in there and outside of that, the handstand walk pirouettes, I think it was actually great. Like that was a cool wrinkle. I thought it was a, a neat gymnastics test. Nobody should be surprised that that was in there. They had those at the games and here they come here in a handstand walk. Cool. Wall facing handstand pushups, great. We did them in quarterfinals, and then they're back here. Fine, everyone got vetted through that. The legless rope climbs only being two from the seated position and the standards which they had. I thought that was a really cool standard to bring those back that we didn't get in the alpaca. I really like that. The two issues here is the break that they forced in the overhead squats, regardless of the reason. You could have, there could have been better reasons for that or to not have it. Just don't like if if you say storytelling, which is not you, Brian. I, I know Boz said that. Like, but then you put them on a row where nobody gave a shit for two and a half minutes. Like, what's the story there? There is no story. So, like, we're 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 missing consistency here. Shocker. All right. <laughs> I'll I'll throw in one thing that they should have switched it to: take the rower out and put crossovers in. That's it. Now you have. Now you have your, your callback from the games, which everybody has been practicing, and if not, they should be exposed, just like the pirouettes, just like the wall-facing handstand push-ups, and just like the legless. It's the same shit. And now you put in an element that is a high-skilled element that has a massive impact, just like every other movement in this chipper. But you have a 500-meter row in here that everybody used as a break. And I thought it was a huge miss on what could have been a really, really exciting chipper. And I know we said break here or whatever, and someone could crush it with stringing together. If you want to tell a story, then make them move up every 25. Fine. There's your storytelling. There's your movement. And no one's that good where like they're knocking out 50 in a row. And maybe they are, but like at this point in time, like that break isn't taking away from the test. And you still get a monostructural test. It becomes a super high skill chipper. And it gives everybody that has those skills that have not been tested with any skills up until this point, zero, a chance to really, really crush everybody. Do you think that the legless rope climbs and wall facing handstand pushups were enough volume? <sighs> I didn't have this question until 
Laura Horvath and Gabby Magawa didn't have problems respectively with the two things that they are historically bad at? <sighs> what, what, you know, I know that they, even as it is, it stops some athletes pretty good in their tracks, mm-hmm. but you know, would three thirty and three, three thirty and three. Test? I, I like the, I like three thirty and three for sure. Um, what was the what was the number at, uh, for the alpaca? How many two recline? per round, I think. How many? Two per round. Yeah, is it six or eight total? I think we had four different sections. Okay. Um, I think it's a great question. I like. Uh, I will say that I think that the, the thirty would have elements, changed a those lot. two elements. How many? The three. If you did three thirty and three, that would have drastically changed a lot of things massively changed not I maybe think, like who won well depending on who did it like those are good examples um you know what i i think I, okay I, I on paper i like what it is you take out the 500 meter row you could put your 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 crossovers in there if you wanted to you could you could just take that out and not have any of that you could have gone 20 overhead squats right into the pirouettes and go <clears throat> now that would um, be cool Actually, right? that would have been but, great if you just took the rollout. Totally. Just take it out. <laughs> take it because out because I I loved how it how everyone slowed down. Everyone really went quick on those first two rope climbs, mm-hmm. and then they really had to manage that second set. And there were a lot of people that just exploded on that, men and women. And I thought that that was really interesting. I, I loved the fact that they had to go up and down. I loved the fact that. Um, I, I mean, I didn't see anybody. And correct me if I'm wrong. You guys saw uh, more than I did, but. I didn't see anybody at least get I saw a lot of close ones coming down the rope where their butt didn't hit first and they got a mm-hmm. no rep on the at the bottom. I didn't see any of those, which would have been man, I think it would have gone in like Would anybody um, had finished in some of those other regions though, they did that. Did they? Well that's a big that's a more big picture yeah, true. question about and I think um John Young brought up a, a comment of this a while ago about it. Is the quarterfinals appropriately vetting for the semifinals or, you know, that's a big conversation. I mean, oh, quarterfinals um, is not honestly, a- no, we are, when we've already talked about that, <laughs> right. We are, are the, the overall programming up to this point has been, um, inconsistent with what we're trying to do. I think, I think that we've missed the mission statement, getting the certain athletes to each of the, each of the different stages personally. Um, that's why I would say that, like I, even with these numbers here, two twenty and two, I still think that it did what it needed to do yeah. based on the field. Um, I would have loved to have seen three thirty and three um, for sure, but uh, I, 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 on paper, not taking the breaks, seeing it as twenty, mm-hmm. whatever with the row, the three, the two, the twenty, the two, the three, whatever with the row, and then the twenty. Not, not again, not a structured break. I like it. <laughs> How about this on paper? 15 overhead squats. And then 330, 3333315. So you get like 30 overhead squats, 30 handstand push-ups, three of everything else. Those threes you take off the zero it actually goes to a 15, like just numbers wise. And I'm taking the row out. Then you get like that old like throwback to the fifteen unbroken overhead squats at body weight. We're you know, are we retooling right now? No shit. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I I think that the overall overarching theme is here. This one had a lot of potential, and you know maybe one or two decisions prevented it from yeah. 
kind of being what we had hoped it would. It's like I really wanted to love it, and it's right there, but I, I just liked it. I, I didn't not like it. Like it, it provided lots of drama. <laughs> yeah, it did. Depending I, I, I like the event. I like what it was. I did too. Yeah, I, I liked what it was. Um, I, it wasn't perfect, no, but I like it was fun. And, and if you look at the, if you just look at the, you know, the original rundown overhead squats, you got a squat and pushing to support that overhead position. You look at the row; it's a leg drive and a pull. Then you go inverted on a handstand pirouette, and that's more pushing in an overhead position. Then you do seated rope climbs, and you got to pull. Handstand push-ups, push. Rope climb, pull, push, pull. You get this little push-pull back and forth with between each movement. I really like that part, too. Totally. Which is like at movement patterns. It blends monostructural weightlifting and gymnastics. It's a long chipper. It's high-skilled. You couldn't necessarily fake your way through it. right? You may have gotten rewarded with volume, to, to help you out, but if you had the inability to do this or you paced it wrong, which some people did, you paid for it. So overall, I, I did like it, and it was necessary, right? Of all the things we've seen so far of really being stronger athlete, larger athlete bias, this was a necessary thing to throw out there. All right, finale. Three rounds of time, 15 or 10 cal echo bike, 20 toes to bar, any... I don't know how long the distance. I can't remember what it was. I just said 50 foot. Sandbag bear hug carry. 60? Okay, cool. Sandbag bear hug carry. Thankfully, it's 200 and 150 on the sandbag. I really like this because you had to almost be irresponsibly fast, especially if you needed to hit a home run. And there was just a such a fine line to thread that entire time which some people did beautifully and some people did horrifically to our 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 entertainment (laughs) 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 but what we've seen so far is the long test short test mixed bag again this has everything in there you've got monostructural weightlifting and gymnastics all combined in here it's three rounds instead of just a short sprint chipper you had to repeat your your effort three times in a row it all came down to the toes bar. If you could hang on to the toes bar, you were going to succeed. Nothing else really mattered towards the end. It didn't matter how hard you could bike and how long you could sustain that. You could crush the bike all day. If you couldn't hang on for 20, you were not going to finish in, you know, where some athletes needed to be. That being said, I feel like a lot of athletes made the mistake of thinking they had to go unbroken to be successful here, where they could have been 20 seconds faster had they taken one break each round instead of being 30 seconds slower because they broke five times in the last 10 reps on the third round, which was great. Like you want to see that in, in an event. People make strategic mistakes based off the scenarios that they were in. I thought it was, I thought it was uh, dramatic. The back to the finish, like that all played out really well in my opinion. I think that you need, you know, there was a minimum threshold you needed to be able to sustain on the bike. And I, and I think again, it was a very few athletes that were exposed by this, but there were a couple, I think particularly in the women's field that, that even though they could do the gymnastics unbroken and the sandbag carries is just as good as everyone else, they just didn't have enough on the bike to make up the difference. Mm. And I also think that what you were saying about the um, toes to bar in the last round is critical. And if you, you know, if you think about it as a total set of 60, it's like, well, how many breaks do I, am I going to take here? And if it's one per round, as opposed to three or four in the last round, 
then maybe maybe that does make the difference for some some athletes or even if it's just taking one uh just just as a caution in the second set and and it was cool because you did see a lot of different uh strategies but i feel that what really the athletes were feeling was the pressure they were like if i don't if i don't do this then everyone's gonna pass me by yeah where in in an application or in the reality of it the opportunity for the pass was in the last round and and a few athletes in particular made you know made that pay off to the to the note of going to the CrossFit Games, and I think that if uh, that the best example of that, if you didn't catch it in the live viewing, was in Heat Five of the women in Europe, was Rebecca Vittison mm. that made a move in the last round of the Toes to Bar that passed several women athletes in her heat, and ultimately several athletes on the leaderboard overall, and got her the last spot into the games. Yeah, I think this is uh, the way. I think honestly, it was probably this is probably one of the best designed uh, events of the weekend, and the reason I say that is because there is a high risk reward uh, weight to it, and you have it at the end when you need it. Um, you have the sandbag carry, which is the which is the finish, so it's not a it's not a photo finish opportunity. It's kind of like when you do lunges to the end to see what the finish line is. You have this building drama for the for the people that are watching but also for the athletes that are on the floor trying to get down you know you have all this weight in front you're trying to get down there without falling and if you do fall how fast are you going to get back up again you know mm-hmm. uh, trying to get down there i like the fact that the bike you needed to go fast on the bike but it wasn't about the bike and I think that that was well. It was if you made it about the bike. <laughs> well, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's what I mean. It didn't have to be like, uh, man. I saw someone who was the guy in the European region. I think he came off. I don't know, fifteen seconds or something like that. Oh yeah. Like I was Moritz. like, you, what? The oh yeah, Moritz. hell was but that? You can do that, man. He did the same thing last year in Amsterdam on that uh, final event. I know. I know. And it's, so it's incredible to see that. Like, that's awesome that you get to see that. And that's just like Brian said, there's a lot that was riding on this event, which forces a lot of pressure onto the athletes to, to be like, okay, are you going to be able to do what you need to do to get the points you need? Which is, is it just reckless abandon or are you going to be smart about, are you going to have enough patience to go, okay, it's round three. Mm-hmm. even though I know I can get off this thing in 15 seconds. You so know? That's, that's what Hopper did in the East. Yeah. It's like he took the first two rounds strong, but he saved something for the third round. And I was talking to Matt and he's like, as soon as he got on the bike for the last one, he was like, freaking send it now. Yeah. Right. But someone did it better than him. That's and that true. was Dallin Pepper. Man. Big boys with big engines. We're I back. Know, huh? We're back. So after, after watching all three weeks of semifinals. I mean, obviously you couldn't know after week one, but it's like, go back and watch those guys do that test. That was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I honestly, James Sprague did as well um, in his heat, but you know, it wasn't the same, t- the tune of the same time as Dallin. The cool thing about this test was with every, all of these different variables and elements of it, I think at least in the three um, big semifinals that the final percentage was like uh two basically two-thirds of the athletes that placed top 10 on this test also qualified for the crossfit games interesting so it's pretty pretty strong correlate where if you were able to to execute this one well 
it usually translated to something which is good for the wild overall. when you think of like a 345 to 430 length event usually like I, those longer like you, some people would probably be like oh test six probably was because it had a little bit of everything i mean this did too but it was so fast it's surprising to see that, like that might be the one that is the indicator of top performance. Well, I mean, I, I know there are people that will push back on this, but in this, in the studying that I've done of the athletes at the top of this sport, that four five, six minute time domain, if you want to be elite in this sport, it's one of the things that you have to have mastery of. It's oh, just yeah. past this. It's just past the full send marker demarcation. It's <laughs> yeah. usually like uh, two, two to three minutes at most. And it's not quite into that, uh, you know, eight to 12 to 15 minute range, which is kind of like the sweet spot for a, you know, a class Metcon or something like that. Mm-hmm. But the, the best in the world, four or five, six minutes kind of doesn't even matter what's in there. That's where they, they're always good. Yeah. Let me, let me, let me ask you guys this. And there was obviously, um, if you look across all the different athletes that made it through, um, I would have picked this one to be like, okay, obviously you're going to have your power output athletes. You got to be good on the bike, which meant, which would you think, taller, longer athlete. But then you have the toes to bar, which you don't want to be the taller, longer athlete. You want to be the shorter athlete, shorter range of motion for the quicker toes to bar. But you can't be too short because you got to get your hands around the bag mm-hmm. to move the bag. So all of a sudden we start narrowing this, this general view of what your athlete is going to look like and what they need to be able to do. So you have to have a powerful, strong athlete that has a, I would say moderate to short range of motion for most part. Yeah. But, ha- but ha- you know, has that power output and has that strength that they could hold that bag for a long period of time. So that, I think you're right, Brian, like it does kind of call out the athlete. I could see the the better athletes there being the ones that finish, mm. you know, because they have to have capacity. They have to have intensity. They have to be able to be able to ramp up that intensity to be able to have that output. So, it, I mean, I, I honestly, I that, there it's was one no- of my favorite ones of the weekend. Yeah, I have to echo that because there was there wasn't a body weight that dominated this test. You had Allison Scuds and Amanda Barnhart basically get the same score, right? In terms of time, you mm-hmm. had Emma Carey beating Danielle Brandon, but then you also saw Dallin Pepper, Roman Krennikov, Jason Apper, and Alex Vigneault—the only four men to go sub four minutes. So you could excel it as a big guy. You could excel it as a slightly smaller athlete. I think Shelby Neal was the top five in her region, which is you know, and she was within a second of of Amanda Barnhart. So it's like. You know, there were fitness prevailed on this one. You had right. to be kind of good enough at all all components of it and not screw it up by going out too hard. Yep. Um, all right. So that's the event rundown, the little details. But you know, we're going event by event as we look at things. But now we got to look at the whole big picture. All right. So I want you guys to start bringing in some things that happened within the programming that took place on the field that had impacts on the events themselves, right? So it was our overview of things. And the first one, I think it was, and this was an unfortunate conversation piece all three weeks was the sled. The sled and test one that had an impact on how people not only did these events semifinal to semifinal, but, you know, Brian, you and I talked about it, seeing it in person, it changed the way people did things heat to heat. And yeah, the think, later heats know, getting a bit more of the shaft than the first ones. The same carpet sled was used, is from what I from what I could tell, was used for six straight heats in a row in the same lane. 
And the quality of that sled deteriorates as it's getting dragged across the surface, heat after heat after heat, lap after lap after lap. And so it didn't have the same integrity for that, the women in heat three as the women in heat one, or the men in heat six as the men in heat four, if you're just looking at, you know, the order in which they did. I think it was actually was the men first on that one. But the, um, yeah, and so, you know, the, the sled itself was changing heat to heat. And there wasn't necessarily a predictability from what I could tell about whether your sled was going to get beat up or not. And as, as the weeks went on, I think people started to realize that in, a, in addition to my ability to move the sled and my capacity, you know, to have a certain output on the machines over the duration of the totality of the 25 minutes or so, that they realized that my execution of something that has nothing to do with fitness, but just of moving the sled in a way that wasn't going to be at a se severe detriment to me became a critical element of that test. Mm. Secondarily, the test in and of itself was testing for something different in different parts of the world. Right. In particular, in Europe and Oceania, it was so much easier to move the sled than it was in North America East and North, North America West that you were by default testing the capacity or the pace that you're able to hold on the machines to a higher degree than was being tested in North America. And, you know, Amanda Barnhart said, it. she said, you know, I was eight, I realized that I could move that sled well. And therefore I was able to back off my running paces because I knew I could capitalize on the back end against the field that I was competing against because of my strength on the sled. And that same strategy would not have allowed her to have the same success in Europe or Oceania if that's where she had just happened to be competing. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, as a programmer, when you're thinking about the semifinals as a whole, and this is what we're going to do when we're evaluating the programming as a whole, is we're going to say, okay, what were the, were a variety of different things tested here to make sure that we're getting a well-rounded person to the games. And you're looking at this as the long test for the weekend. And when you have the long test for the weekend, what are the check marks you want to hit? And those check marks were different based on the floor surface. Right. And based on the time that you went, because the consistency of the sled was changed. I mean, you can't just put 500 pounds on a sled and drag it and, and it's made of a fabric <laughs> and expect it to maintain its integrity. Oh, so uh, God, what was his name? But he, he ripped his sled apart. Uh, I saw that. Yeah. We had um, video Davis, that. Anthony Davis. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and some people, they were like, well, look at Yellow Hoste. I'm like, okay, well, Yellow Hoste is an outlier. The guy was, right. you know, like, that guy yeah, was built for that event. No matter what. But we're talking about at the margins. We're mm. talking about people's chances in the CrossFit. I mean, you know, if you just happen to be a lighter athlete in North America, this was massively mm. punishing compared to other parts of the world. That's a good point. Good point. We have not, as a sport, done very well with the sled. The sled, man. The damn sled. And every We, we, we <laughs> right. trip on that thing every motherfucking time. I got one for you, Bill. Every time. You know, I said it like you would have enjoyed watching shuttle runs instead of uh, <laughs> air runners. This would have been the perfect time if you're going to use a sled to use the torque tank. <laughs> Shit. It really would have been, though. And then you would have been hand over hand only. It would have been consistent across the board, barring malfunctions and things like that. But it's funny that I'm saying, oh, man, in this semifinals, I actually really would have rather watched shuttle runs and a torque tank. <laughs> well, and once again, you know, when they first put this workout out, I think people were expecting full length of the competition floor pulls that similarly to the overhead squat. Oh, yeah, will that's right. The I didn't even have that, that consistent pulling motion and has the uh, muscular endurance in the forearms and, 
and grip to do that. And with the forced turnarounds, we lost that element of mm-hmm. it. And I, and I, you know, I understand, like I said, with the, uh, the Linda going parallel on the floor, that like time is a real thing. And how long do you want to have volunteers and spectators and whatever watch a 30 minute workout, but you know, making those changes sacrifices certain elements of the test. Yeah. That, I mean, that would have drastically changed everything. <laughs> Adrian, I want to be able to, uh, yeah, I want to do that event. Like that's the only one I want to do. It's also the only one I actually probably could do at all. Dude, <laughs> I, me- I messed with that sled when, uh, when it was going on the first weekend, I was in the gym cause I'm co I was coaching and I was dragging my sled trying to figure out how to pull it, which way should you pull it? Mm-hmm. What way shouldn't they make you pull it? You know, like what are the standards going to be on and everything? And I, I mean, I snap. I put all kinds of weight on my. I was my rogue, uh, my rogue dog sled. Right. Well, okay. We know that that thing's solid. We know mm-hmm. that once you get it moving, like you're good. And then when I saw what the what the picture was of that, the second I knew they had to turn that thing around, I'm like, this is gonna be this is gonna be a shit show. Yeah. I know it's gonna be bad. Which I my fingers crossed, but there was no way. And it, what sucks is that 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 now. It, it kills it. It goes from paper looking cool on paper to now all we talk about is all the, all well, yeah. the foul ups. Of That's what the thing. It's like, I, I hated that we were talking about the sled for three weeks, but rightly so. Yeah. When we could have been talking about the athletes performances in the event. Right. Right. That was, that was an unfortunate thing. Um, another topic I want to talk about is machines. We had five, events that had machine work in them. The only ones we didn't were event two and event six. No, no, all, that's it. Is that no, it? Linda, Linda, Linda. Oh yeah. Sorry. Okay. Event two and event three. I did some back of the napkin math and athletes spent over 30 minutes on machines this weekend. And just, if you took the time caps only, not what people finished in. It's 89 minutes worth of time allotted for the men and 90 for the women. That means over 33 to 35% of the time cap allotted time was spent on machines. If you just did like the best times, it's probably closer to 40 to 45% of athletes' competition was spent on a machine, which I think is a Dumb. problem. Dumb. Yeah. hundred percent. Which we don't need to have. We use the air runner three times. Echo bike twice in different formats with the echo bike, right? 3000 meters versus 15 and 10 cal sprints and interval bases. Like I get that, right? If, if we were to do, and we've said this before, Chase, if we were to have heavy thrusters and then light thrusters and then dumbbell thrusters, people would lose their shit. There is no way that everyone would be like, oh, yeah, cool. This would be a good workout. Yeah, this would be awesome. No. So the, it's like, to me, okay, you have all your machines in that first event. They're done. You don't need to see <laughs> them anymore. We already used them. And we, it's not like we used them short. We mm-hmm. used them for long. Like we, we used them. Check the box on that. So now go to some other things. There are other things that we can do. And I, I just, I, I think, mm-hmm. again, I feel like, it was okay. You over there come up, up 
come up with test one and you do test two and you do test three and everyone comes up with their own idea, brings it together. And it's like, great guys, that sounds good. Instead of there having some sort of a layout flow. And I'm not saying that he didn't do that. I think that's what it feels like. Because if that was the case, why the hell did we run twice on an air runner? Mm -hmm. There was no need to do that. None at like zero, especially when one of those runs of the three events we ran on three events take that back yeah and on one of those we didn't need to even run at all (laughs) (laughs) at all it was a waste so i don't know yeah like the best snatcher still still won so what did the run really do nothing yeah too much or too little brian what do you think i mean you know too much uh, you know, Patrick's right. Like if you have a sponsor that's sponsoring the event and there's a significant amount of money in play and you, you know, you want to use their machine, that's fine. Torque tank. Uh, you don't need to use it three times. Flip sled. If you want to use a ruck because <laughs> go ruck sponsoring the competition, that's fine. But you know, you could maybe be intentional about where you use it as something that is probably actually meant to be used for, mm-hmm. you know, so maybe being a little bit like, it's not a problem to use the implements that sponsors who are paying good money for you to use, that's fine, but what, but how you use them, how often you use them, and how, where you choose to use them, I think can be done a little better. Do you I mean, think the workouts? Um, okay, that's a perfect question. Then, do you think the events were designed and had the sponsored implements put on top ooh, of that, or were they designed around the sponsored? Theory, Bill. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's just a question. It's purely a question. Like if you look at the other events that we had here, where would you put the rug? I mean, you could, you know, yeah, that, that it is a great question. It's like, well, what, what would a ruck traditionally be used for, right? Mm-hmm. And so, I, and I think the, the first answer to that would be, you know, body weight gymnastics and running. And it's like, okay, so what other tests can you, could you like realistically use it in if the tests were already written and then you needed to apply a ruck to it? Yeah, so, yeah, right. I don't know which one came first. Yeah. It's purely just a question. No, I mean, it's a good question. Wait. I think the air runner got their 10 minutes of fame during te- event one. So, you know. Yeah. It's been a long time. <laughs> um, all right. So any other elements that you guys want to talk big picture before we get into your overall valuation? Just just a general observation is, you know, we, we had uh, some controversy surrounding the air runners in 2018 with the triple three. And now we have some controversy surrounding the air runners, you know, in at least one of the tests mm. this year. And I think, you know, um, I don't know this for sure, but I feel like uh, with the Concept 2 machines that there is an opportunity with the drag factor testing to do some kind of uh, a test on each of the machines and that there's an, like an allowable error range. Yes. And I'm not sure that exists with the, with the air runners that Assault makes or not. But if there's not, then I think we, we have to seriously ask the question of if it's responsible to include any kind of a, a quick piece of equipment that, that doesn't that has the potential for variance to impact the competition and doesn't have some opportunity to test for that before we put them out there for athletes to use. Totally agree with that. We shouldn't be using any. Okay. And this is, this goes for all pieces of equipment that you're going to be programming for. Like you can great, you can write this great program, but if you are picking equipment that ends up fouling up that program, Mm -hmm. i.e. a sled, i.e. Uh, uh, mechanical equ- er, uh, machine equipment that might break down for whatever reason. Screen goes out, the drag is different, something, you know, it, it doesn't start at the right time, whatever. Um, any, any, any objects like that, like your barbells, you know what they weigh. 
but these yes. other things, if there's a chance that something can go down, you either need to make sure that they are checked and rechecked or just don't include them. Well, and that was going to be my closing point to what you guys were talking about just to machines before we give our thumb tape review. But we said five of the seven events were reliant on machines. I think that that puts more things in flux when you have such a main focus, those being such a big focal piece. And, and to the point that you just made, Bill, is like, we know what med balls weigh. We know what dumbbells weigh. We know what barbells weigh. We know how fast a distance can be run back and forth. Burpees, push-ups, pull-ups, right? There wasn't a whole lot of gymnastics here. It was all funneled really into one event only, which was right. event six. And is, yeah, we had toes to bar and ring work, but that, I mean, that wasn't really, you know. And that, I think that is the risk you take when having, like we said, over 30 to 40% of your competition reliant on machines. And I don't know what, I just don't think, I think that's a risk. Uh, I think they need your spreadsheet. Hmm. I, I mean, dude, seriously. I think you borrowed and I, and, it from them. <laughs> <laughs> they need to open, they need to dust off the old level one book again or something. But I, I think that that's a, that is a big deal. It, it's when you're going to program something, you're going to program an event. Mm-hmm. You should know exactly the things that you're using. And I mean, we, we have talked about this so many times. Like when you use something, it's crossed off the list. You don't just redo it again. You don't just put it in another event. It's like, well, we're, it's this way, that way. I, I, yeah. I get it. But like, you don't see that in the open. You right. don't see that in the quarterfinals. Why, why are we doing that here? And why are we running the risk, especially on something that like, if it goes out, like what's, what's the backup plan? Yeah. If a machine, like, if I have to run around a circle, I know exactly where I need to run. Mm-hmm. If the batteries are bad or an, uh, there is a surge or whatever, and that thing goes out, now what, do you, like, what is the backup plan to mm-hmm. deal with that? And that's a nightmare when you have to deal with that. This guy is burpees instead of the runner, thrust instead of the rower. Yeah, yeah, but we already, like, and that's part of the problem when you like burpee box and bovers. Like, you take two and now it's one. Right. So, like, we can't do that again. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, wall ball. Dumbbell snatch, kettlebell snatch. Uh, well, and we talk, and I've talked about this in a few different platforms before, and I think you guys have brought it up also, is that at the elite level of this sport, um, certain movements like the wall ball, the dumbbell snatch, they can, and, and burpee, box jump overs, they, that, are, that would be like traditionally classified as either weightlifting or gymnastics movements. No, these, these are, in, in essence, monostructural movements for mm. these, this level of athlete. And they can be, I think that they can be applied in that way. And I think that in many cases they should be. Yeah. I mean, essence, they're gymnastics movements, but like how they manifest themselves with these athletes. Yes. Right. That's, that's a better language. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, if we, if we just went to the playbook, like they, yeah, they're gymnastics movements, but like, yeah, burpees become very cardiovascular. Like the jump rope should have and could have made an appearance here and we would be okay with that. We could have done wall balls. And yeah, those three, though one is monostructural, one is gymnastics, and one is weightlifting by definition, right? In, in its essence, as you said, how they manifest themselves with athletes are aerobic tests that we could have put in these events in lieu of some of these machines. You're 100% right. All right. Brian, you are the... Uh, the honorary guest, so I'll let you go last. Bill. <laughs> <laughs> um, I 
tend to fare on some of the... I'll go first. How about that? So our okay. Element 26 thumb tape review. Out of two thumbs, you guys can use point whatever. Five of the events I did like. Two I thought were foul tips or just a bit outside. Um, aside from the machine work being a, a huge element to this, I think overall um, this seemed... The programming seemed biased towards, like, if, if fitness was even, right? Like, and, and you look at your top athletes, like, if fitness was even across the board, size played a factor. It played a factor in some of those bottom churn ones, right? Your, your, your three to five rookies or unknowns or, or games athletes on the fringe, like, size had an impact here based off the programming. Uh, a lot of machine work. I think we could have done more gymnastics and spread that out over a multitude of different events. Um, overall, I, I liked the programming from end to end. I don't think anybody that won wasn't someone that was the fittest person there. I did think some people that maybe didn't win could have been some of the fittest people there. So there's some flux there. Overall, I think we got a good crop of people going to the CrossFit games based off what we had. I'm going to give this a 1.2. I don't know how to do a point two. <laughs> it's a one I'm giving it a one point two on my two thumb scale. All right, all right. Um, I had a lot of fun watching the events. I had a lot of fun being involved with the uh, Sevon's podcast and and talking and, and getting deep into the weeds with a lot of the <laughs> the events and the competitions and the athletes. It was really fun to do all that. Um, I think that there were some really fun races to watch. I am really glad that there was that regional feeling mm. again that that felt good that being the case um i only really liked two events of the entire thing i liked um the last event um i liked linda i liked the th the first event as well but the the wrinkle of the sled messed it up for me i, I don't like the fact that equipment is going to determine whether someone does well in an event or not. I think that it's, it should be a vetted thing to where fitness is tested, not a foul up on a sled or, a uh, you know, something breaking down or an equipment failure. I don't, I don't like that. So I, I have a hard time with that. Um, that I didn't like four. I didn't like five, uh, six, I thought was cool. But again, I, I think that it was, it was like a first base hit. So I, I had a really hard time watching a lot of the different events. Like when I look at it on paper, I don't like that something can look so good on paper and then you watch it in real time and it like just gets all kicked in the nuts. I don't, that bothers me. Um, you have your OCD chase with like the, the threes and the twenties and the whatever. And that one bothers me. It's like, yeah, it looks so pretty. And then it, you go to present, and it doesn't work out that way. So I, I just feel it was so discombobulated and not tried and trued and not really examined to find out if the test was doing what it was supposed to be doing. That being the case, um, I'll give it a one thumb for the regional feel. All right. <laughs> Mr. Friend. Go. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, <clears throat> to me, it's, it's, it's a matter of talking about, uh, the test as they're written and the way that it that it played out in real time. Mm -hmm. And I do think that it's worth noting, it's pretty 
I would imagine it's pretty difficult to find an appropriate group of athletes to test the semifinal tests because most of them are taking the test and therefore can't be a part of the testing for the test. That's a good point. Whereas at the CrossFit Games, you can pretty easily look at you know just the last five men and women that missed in North America, and you can say, those would be some good people to give a call <laughs> and test some of these workouts. They're just below the threshold in a different set of tests or different set of circumstances. They might be there themselves. I don't know who he has tested these things, but I do think that in certain cases, there was it was just a miss in terms of not necessarily uh, appropriating for either the equipment or the athletes taking the test. Um, on paper, I really liked a lot of these in application. He's somewhat saved by the fact that the athletes are amazing. And as he mm. says, the athletes make the test and the athletes make the show. And they certainly did. When I, when I try to, to strip down and evaluate the programming, I just look, I'm looking, I'm not really too worried about the bottom two thirds of the athletes. I'm looking at the top third of the athletes because those are the ones that are, that we're ultimately looking at and narrowing in at to try to find that that's where we need the difference to be. Mm. And when I look there, and I look at what each of the tests was, I try to find the critical element that's being tested. And I think at that level, if you just go test by test, it was your ability to pull the sled, your capacity in the second test, because the rings didn't end up being a, a factor for the top. They were a massive factor at the bottom. The dumbbell press, the dumbbell pressing was pretty much the separator there. Plain and simple, if you could snatch heavy or not, plain and simple, could you run fast or not? Six is like, I think that at the top level, even it was like hybrid between the the rope, the latest rope climbs and the handstand pushups. You like you can make your money or not on either one of those potentially. And the last test was a great test. When I, when I look at those those things in particular, to me, something that's missing is leg strength or stamina, mm -hmm. as just being a blatant and obvious miss. Not just now, but in a lot of Adrian's program, all season long. Yep. And I and and that's a really like really confusing thing to me because just, just from doing 10 years of training in the affiliate, like there's a lot of times where I get like two, three days into a week and I'm like, man, my shoulders or my legs are just toast. And I did all of these tests and I never felt that in my legs at all. Mm -hmm. And I don't, and I'm, I just certainly don't think these athletes did. And obviously there, you know, you got to, you, you had however many meters of running and, and biking, like you're using the legs, but I didn't see that critical component of the legs. So for me, on paper, 1.25 thumbs. On application, 0.75 thumbs. We had, and Brian, that's a great point on the leg strength and capacity. And it hasn't, it's been a really weird missing piece all year. And, and we've talked about that every time we analyze program. In the open, what was it? Like how many did, how many, we did like five thrusters, maybe, in the open for the heavy thruster. And then what was yeah. in, uh, in, in no one was really squatting the snatches that like the, like who you're, who you're filtering <laughs> through. Right, right. Right. And then what did we do? 45 front squats in quarterfinals. And yeah, the lunges and, and okay. Uh, right. Dumbbell and the lunges. lunges. Yeah. And then here you had 30 pistols on each leg and 55 cleans done in singles and then maybe five snatches that you squatted. That was it. Now I think that is the, the biggest question. The, the why or, or, or what is that trend? I think you nailed it. All right. Whew. Thursday. Our 
Second favorite, reprogramming <laughs> the CrossFit semifinals. <laughs> same time, same place, 3.30. Is that good for you, Bill? Yeah, or 1.30, your, your time? Yeah. Uh, where Bill and I will take a stab. Now, our rules are, are we putting, how, how many rules are we putting in here? Because we, we don't try to change le- too much. The least, the least amount of change possible. The least amount of change possible. Because it's really easy. It's like, oh, you should have just changed all this shit. It's like, okay, that's, that, that's, that's not fair. Right? We try to be as fair as possible when we armchair quarterback this. Least amount of changes is humanly possible to reprogram. To make it fucking awesome. And to make it fucking <laughs> awesome. A two-thumber. <laughs> a two-thumber. <laughs> Brian, uh, thanks for joining the show, man. That was uh, a lot of fun. It was damn good to get back on this. We've been a... Uh, Missing everybody. Shit, 178. You guys rolling in with us. That's pretty sweet. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. All right, guys. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll see, hopefully, most of you guys on Thursday as Bill and I reprogram the 2023 semifinals. Congratulations to all the athletes that qualified. Obviously, the big picture here is that we have our field going to the CrossFit Games. Congratulate to everyone who qualified, individual men, women, and teams. And, uh... We'll look forward to seeing what comes down the pipeline in August. But other than that, hope you guys have a great week. See you Thursday. Thank you, Mr. Brian Friend. If you guys, make sure you guys go to BeFriendlyFitness.com. It is the uh, most trusted name in CrossFit sport or CrossFit. What is the tagline? I, don't, I fucked it up. I'm sorry. <laughs> Just go, yeah. <laughs> Just go look at that shit. Just go look at that shit. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us. See you all next time. <laughs>